Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. This is a place where we share how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hi, welcome to episode 12 from Pelvic Pain to Pelvic Liberation. Leslie Howard is an Oakland-based yoga teacher specializing in all things pelvic. She leads workshops and trainings nationally and has written a book about caring for the female pelvis, pelvic liberation. She's a regular presenter for the Yoga Journal conferences and a regular contributor to the Yoga Journal magazine. Her own struggles with healing her hips, pelvis, has led her to an intense study of the anatomy, physiology, history, and energetics of this rich place. Her teaching is informed by over 35 hours of yoga study with senior Iyengar yoga teachers. I am so excited to have Leslie Howard here because as many of you know or don't know, I am obsessed with the pelvis. I think it's an important part of the body that's normally in our society shunned upon there's a lot of shame around it when there's so much power in the pelvis and there's so much healing that needs to be done in all our pelvises and especially women so i'm so excited to have leslie share her wisdom and her yoga moves and things that we can do to strengthen and heal our pelvis so let's get into today's episode Hey, Leslie, welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. You're one of my favorite yoga teachers, and I'm so excited to hear more about your story. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, and uh, I love your idea. So I hope I hope it spreads out into the universe. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. So I understand that you do yoga, but you do a specific type of yoga, which is focused on the pelvic floor. So I'd love to l- know more about your, what I like to call the love, your love lesson. Like what brought you to your knees in your life that made you go deep to try to understand who you are, what you're doing in the world and how you can bring forth what you've learned and to help others along the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most kids, when they when they're asked what do they want to be when they grow up they don't say a pelvic floor yoga teacher (laughs) (laughs) uh so so i know a lot of people have a similar story in that what they've ended up doing in their life is pick them i didn't pick it it picked me um but to answer your question um i've been a long time yoga practitioner um i initially started doing yoga uh, you know 25 years ago because my lower back hurt i had a corporate job you know the whole deal and um, yeah, and then, I, and then I became more interested in it, and then I became a yoga teacher. Um, and so then I ended up leaving my corporate job and teaching yoga full time. Uh, and then about 10 years ago, I started developing pelvic pain. And, um, you know, how did that manifest? Well, when I was sitting too long and like too long meant like 20 minutes, you know, if I was sitting too long, I would start to feel like a burning sensation between my sitting bones, which initially I thought, do I have a yeast infection? But um, I found out, you know, now that I know what I know, it was nerve entrapment. Mm-hmm. Um, so sitting was challenging. Uh, and then of course the, the most problematic was my husband and I couldn't have sex because it was painful. It was like, 
he sometimes couldn't even get inside of me um, or if he could it like really hurt and at the time I was in my 40s I hadn't gone through menopause so I'm like what what's up with this you know I've heard some women have pain at menopause but that wasn't the issue so um, so I ended up going to a pelvic floor physical therapist which there are physical therapists that specialize in this area and she diagnosed me very quickly with hypertonic pelvic floor, which meant my pelvic floor was too tight. And that was like, what? <laughs> like your pelvic floor can be too tight? I'm like, I'm a yoga teacher, what? Uh, you know, I'm a yoga teacher, I should have realized that. I'm a yoga teacher, my pelvic floor shouldn't be tight. Um, I've never read anywhere where you're supposed to be, make sure that your pelvic floor is flexible and, and can lengthen. I've always read you should tighten it up to keep your partners happy, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I had been practicing strengthening exercises where you engage and shorten your pelvic floor muscles. So I was like, oh my God, I think I did this to myself. And, um, but it wasn't just that. I'd been doing some pelvic floor exercise. That is what pushed me over into the pain department. But when I, when I reflected back, and this has now become part of my work, is uh, there were definitely problems brewing way before that. Like every time I went to the gynecologist, it was really painful. The gynecologist would tell me to relax. And I'd be like, I'm a yoga teacher. I can relax. And this is relaxed. Um, it would have been helpful if one of those gynecologists along the way had said, you know, you have too much tone in your pelvis. Like, even though you think you're relaxed, you're not relaxing. But nobody said that to me. Um, so that is what set me on my journey of what? <laughs> Women can be too tight. What? And that has now become my mission in life is to educate um, people. I tend to teach more women, um, but uh, because I feel authentically I have a, a pelvis that has female organs, so I can be more authentic, but the male pelvic floor is very similar. I do teach men. I teach everyone on the gender spectrum. The great thing about the pelvic floor, it's the great equalizer. The, the muscles are very, very, very similar, so uh, everything I would teach um, uh, a male body or a female body would be the same. Right. And we all have a pelvis. So. If we all have a pelvis. <laughs> we all have a pelvis. And I, I say we, every pelvis has a story. And so to figure out what's going on with your pelvis, it's not just what's your symptom. Mm -hmm. Your symptom might be, for example, um, it's maybe like uh, you have a prolapsed bladder, which means the bladder is falling towards the opening of the vaginal canal. Uh, a, a lot of people automatically think, well, an organ's falling, therefore things are loose. But I actually work with a lot of um, women who have dealt with chronic constipation mm. and then they're bearing down all the time. So their pelvic floor's tight, they're bearing down all the time and then they're pushing on the organ and then they can cause a prolapse. So not all prolapses equal my pelvic floor is loose and I need to tighten it up or incontinence, another example of uh, something's leaking. Well, something must be loose if something is leaking, but right. actually that can be true. Some people do need to have more tone to not leak, but some people actually have to have less tone to leak. So it's really, really important to um, figure out where you are on that spectrum um, before you think, oh, I'm just gonna cable my way to health. <laughs>
because sometimes that can be detrimental because it was in my case. So, yeah. And then we also learn about Kegels, like, you know, doing Kegels. Everyone's like, do Kegels. And I'm always like, what is it? You know, like, how do you know all that? <laughs> That's a good question. There's if you if you uh, Google that word, I think there's something like five million hits or something. Um, I would say the most common description of the Kegel is um, cutting off your urine stream, like to, to learn it. But um, you know, in my workshops, in my book, I talk about it's really important to distinguish the parts of the pelvic floor. What cuts off your urine stream is your urethra, your sphincter in the urethra. So. Um, that's not really helping your pelvic floor. And if you're already too tight, it's gonna be injurious. And then the other thing, I work with a lot of pelvic floor PTs, and this is interesting. They told me that one in three of their patients, when they ask them to do what they think a, a Kegel or Kegel is, um, they're bearing down, they're actually pushing out. Oh, wow. So again, if you think that you're lifting up, but you're pushing down, um, you could again be doing things counterproductive to what might be going on for you. So I encourage my students to actually get the hand mirror, get the flashlight, get into whatever position you can get into to see things down there and make sure that when you think you're lifting, you're actually lifting. <laughs> Instead of pushing it down. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's quite, and everything has a different name for it. And I always think it's interesting that Kegel is a male and he was discovered this thing that's mostly for women that doesn't necessarily work for all women, which always makes me think of the patriarchy around that because yes. there's not a lot of I like to say I'm grateful that he even talked about it. And he, right. he talked about it in the 40s, actually. So that was right. pretty revolutionary for the 40s in America when, you know, the puritanical thing, we didn't talk about such things, right? So, right. so it was helpful. But, um, and perhaps it's possible that women weren't as tight, prevalent, there, was, there wasn't the prevalence mm -hmm. of tightness that there is now. I think computer jobs are, are contributing to it. I think the world situation is contributing mm -hmm. to it, like just energetically, uh, you know, uh, in the yoga world, the, the chakra system. And the first chakra is the place of the pelvic floor. And their first chakra is about, you know, how do you feel in the world? Are you secure in the world? And, you know, I'm, I don't know anyone that's feeling that way these days. So it's no. not surprising to me that we have an unbelievable amount of people coming into the medical community, into the yoga world, into the acupuncture world um, with pelvic floor tension, too much tension. Right. Right. And also it's a, it's a very big basin for emotional, um, emotional stuff that gets stuck there, especially women that have gone through any kind of trauma, emotional, physical, sexual, that's a place where often the emotions can live. And yeah. I call it the original mini storage. <laughs> it's like we, we put things that we don't want to deal with right now into a right. place that's not that easily accessible. <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah. when you think about a storage, like a storage unit place, don't you think of like a place where you're like, I better have a flashlight. I better have, I better, is it safe in here? Where you right. Go, you know? um, so it's kind of similar in our pelvis. Like, absolutely. Something I don't want to deal with in a place I can't get to very easily. Yeah. And it's, and also the disconnection, like disconnecting from that area and not really thinking about it. And I loved when I took your course about breathing, like breathing into your pelvic floor. And that made me, I was like, wow, like I don't breathe low enough. And 
teaching my clients that has been really helpful, just teaching people how to breathe properly. And maybe that's something that you can talk about too, like the idea of just actually breathing in your pelvic diaphragm. Yeah, so um, so our pelvic floor is uh, an integral part of breathing. Uh, so our pelvic floor, um, can I show the model real quick? Yeah. Um, so I have um, a model of a pelvis that was born with a uterus, um, which means there are three openings at the bottom. And so everything you're seeing here, all this red is the pelvic floor muscles from looking from below. And then you can see looking from above, and I'll just take this apart so you can see how large the deepest layer of the pelvic floor is this large muscle that, that is basically slung from our front to our back. So think of like from pubic bone to tailbone, um, and it holds our pelvic organs. And um, so our respiratory diaphragm, which you mentioned, um, sits at the base of the rib cage, which is here. And some of you probably know that um, that the rib cage, uh, excuse me, that the respiratory diaphragm has a kind of dome-like shape when we're empty of breath. It actually turns out it's the same in the pelvic diaphragm. The pelvic diaphragm, even though in like models and pictures, it looks more like a sling or a hammock, um, through MRI imaging, um, they were able to see that the pelvic floor is more like, a, think of like a trampoline shape, right? And so there's a little dome shape to the pelvic floor on exhalation like there is in the respiratory diaphragm. So think two domes mimicking each other. When we inhale through the lungs, our lungs fill and that flattens the respiratory diaphragm, which is pushing the organs below it into the pelvic floor. So the pelvic floor, if it's healthy, gives way a little bit. What I mean is it stretches a little bit in the, and I'm talking very micro way, but the organs getting pushed down into the pelvic floor are, are something that your pelvic floor should receive. And if your pelvic floor has too much tension in it, the pelvic floor is not receiving the movement. So then there's a very uh, much lack of movement in your lower body. And then you're breathing up into your chest more, um, which can contribute to anxiety. So a lot of us are chest breathers. We're breathing rapidly. We're breathing shallowly. We're breathing more upper part of the body. Um, and that is not helping your pelvic floor. It's not helping your nervous system. It's not helping your organs. So our organs um, wa want to move. They should be moving. They should be gliding against each other with every, every inhale, every exhale, which I know is a major tenant in acupuncture is, you know, we need stagnation is, is a problem. <laughs> Right. And so not non-movement is, is a problem. And so just breathing, the act of breathing deeply, um, even though your outer body is still maybe laying on the floor, sitting in a chair, you want this inner movement to be happening all the time. Um, so that's so the pelvic floor, if it's healthy, is stretching as we inhale and then it's contracting on exhalation in response to our lungs filling and emptying. Mm -hmm. And we take thousands of breaths a day. So just something idea, like 14,000 breaths a day. Something right. Like that. Yeah. And so imagine how much air is not going to the pelvic floor. That's kind of right. Well, it's not exactly the air. And I get that question a lot. So I just want to, I know, I know that's not what you meant, but it's the movement created the movement. by, yeah. So the air of course is only in the lungs 
However, our whole body, the whole internal part of our body should be moving with our inhale. With the breath. Yeah, so, like so, so we often breathing. say breathe into your belly or breathe into this pain that you have in your shoulder or something like that. We say that. It doesn't mean the breath is actually going there, mm -hmm. but, um, but the movement created by the breath is going there. And that's yeah. why um, I think yoga philosophy gives a really good explanation of that, that our prana, which is our life force, mm -hmm. Um, I know in, in the Chinese world, it's uh, qi. qi, so it's qi in the Chinese philosophy, it's called prana in the yoga philosophy world, but it's carried by our breath, our life force is carried by our breath, it's not the actual breath, but it's the movement that goes with the breath, and so we all have stuck places in our body where we hold tension, um, and so there's less movement in that area of the body, and that long term can create illness or disease absolutely. right right I mean that's, that, that's the acupuncture philosophy as well yeah, yeah absolutely so then one of the questions I've had um, because when I took your course I, I was like oh wow like I've been doing yoga for years and there were so many nuances that I didn't realize that came with the pelvic floor like because I get told opposite things you know how they say like tuck your tailbone in and do this and do that and and I also have a tight pelvic floor and it just, I would always have like, I don't, it always feel weird. Cause I'm like, I don't really understand. Like my body <laughs> isn't moving that way. Like, and right. then I would just stay neutral because I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. So I'm just going to stay in my neutral right. spine. Um, so I'd love to hear like, what is like one or two things that the people that are listening that have tight pelvic floors or don't know their condition of their pelvic floor, how could they incorporate some awareness around their pelvic health in in yoga postures in yoga postures yeah so uh so some of your listeners may be thinking well how do i know if i have a tight pelvic floor and one of the easiest ways um it's not it's not definitive but it's it can usually tell is just taking a hand and massaging around your sitting bones so i encourage you right now if you're not driving um <laughs> to just you know feel around your sitting bone area and then you're on that inner edge of the sitting bone so not the not the butt side of the sitting bone but more the genital side of the sitting bone and just mm -hmm. massage around each side um you know take a take a half a minute or so and massage each side and if you have tendency for tightness you might be like oh that's so tender yeah. or you feel like oh yeah that hurts or or maybe just you know it just feels like it's it's stuck uh, there's a lot of stuckness so um so i don't want to disclude people that don't have a tight pelvic floor so uh, so i want uh, so that's one way to tell whether you're tight sometimes tightness is only on one side um so that's where asymmetrical poses can come in handy um but i want to say what we want in our pelvic floor is full range of motion so our full range of motion in the pelvic floor is I'm doing something like squatting. Your pelvic floor should stretch a lot in a squat. It has to stretch. So if you can't get down in a squat or they're super uncomfortable, it might be because of your tight pelvic floor. If you're doing standing poses, um, you know, you need your pelvic floor to really kind of lift and, and strengthen and the work of your legs can help support that. So, um, so I'm gonna teach, first I'll just show you one pose and I'll, I know some of you are not on the visual here, so I'll talk you through it, but it's a pose called goddess and that pose um, stretches it and strengthens it. So depending on how you do it. So 
Um, you would be, you'd have your feet about two and a half, three feet apart. So not as wide as you would go for triangle pose. I like to have the feet slightly turned out because we're gonna, we're gonna bend the knees in a moment. So when you bend your knees, what you wanna feel is your pelvis is going back, meaning it's not tucking, not tucking as you come down. So that you're opening, I'll just show it from the back. So when you come down and don't tuck, the sitting bone should have a sense of flaring and that is opening the sitting bones. So if you have a tight pelvic floor, this pose just kind of hanging out here can be good. Um, it might be hard to hang out here for more than a half a minute or so. So I often tell my students to hold on to the kitchen sink is a good place to do this a couple times a day. We're all in front of our kitchen sink a couple times a day. Just hold on to it and stretch that pelvic floor. So if you tend towards tightness, doing this a couple times a day can really be helpful. If you tend towards laxity and you need strength, you can actually do this pose actively um, by pulling your feet together. So uh, my legs are in a little bit of an external rotation. And if I really squeeze my heels towards each other, I can feel that that brings my sitting bones together. So someone who needs more tone in their pelvic floor, I, I encourage them to go up and down, really working the legs. So pulling the heels together, pulling, the, it's as if you're trying to pull the floor together with your feet without them moving. And that can be helpful in the strengthening department. So goddess pose can give you both a stretch and a contraction of the pelvic floor depending on how you work it. Um, for folks that are dealing with tension in their pelvic floor, I would say the most commonly done pose is downward dog, right? I would say any yoga class you go to, you're going to for sure do at least a couple downward dogs. So for people with tight pelvic floors, what's, ha what's hard for them is the anterior tilt of their pelvis. So if you're familiar with cat-cow, um, if I'm on my hands and my knees and I want to, what we say, tuck or untuck or posterior, anterior tilt. So cow pose is when you lift your tail, lift your head. That's an untuck or an anterior tilt. That's harder for people with pelvic floor tightness. Mm -hmm. uh, cat pose where you curl and you drop your head and your tail towards the floor. That's more posterior tucking and shortening the pelvic floor. So in down dog, I encourage people to keep their knees bent and to come into it from cow pose because um, one of the reasons it's hard on the pelvic floor is hamstring tightness. So if the hamstrings are tight and you insist on straightening your legs, that's going to tuck your pelvis. And so for people with tension, we need to untuck it. So starting from cow pose with a big untuck in your tail and then going into your down dog with that pelvis and then not straightening the legs all the way. So you're working the legs. It's not like you're not working the legs. You're still pushing the feet. You're still pulling the pelvis back. But with the legs bent, it's slackening the hamstrings a little bit. And that enables you to get that untucking. Nice. That's okay. really helpful. So, yeah. So that's a way you can sneak in a couple of pelvic floor stretches in your regular yoga class. Um, the downside of downward dog is a stretch for pelvic floor is that it's hard to hold for very long. So because it starts to become too muscular, right? You're just like, oh, my arms need a break, right? So um, I just want to give the probably the most favorite pose of uh, people with tight pelvic floors that you can hold for a long time 
is the pose called Prasarita Padasanasana, which is the wide-legged forward bend. Um, so uh, it's usually taught, so we take the feet about three, three, three and a half feet apart, depending on how long your legs are. I would say the most common version of this is people ask you to put your hands on the floor head down. That's not the version that's good for your pelvic floor because it's rounding your lower back and tucking your tail. So I encourage people to take support under the hands, especially if the legs are tight, so they're not folding all the way down. Um, and then that way I can keep my tail and my sitting bones up. And I'll show you from the side is if I don't fold myself completely, then I, I can lift my tail and my sitting bones, and that's a big, wide-open pelvic floor. So my, my students with tight pelvic floors are like, oh, I love this pose. Um, <laughs> you can even do a little bend in the knee to get more untucked, so like a mini version of what you did in down dog, right? And then just showing you from the side, the version of the pose that's taught the most is this one. Can you guys see, those of you that can see, the tail is coming this way, my back is rounding, and so that is shortening my pelvic floor. So there's nothing wrong with that, that version of the pose, but if you have a tight pelvic floor, you probably don't want to go that deeply into that pose so you can stretch it out. Nice. Thank you. That's, I mean, that's really great. And how do people work with you? Because now that we're all on video, you can see people from around the world, right? Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> my website is leslieHowardYoga.com or PelvicFloorYoga.com, if that's easier to remember. Um, uh, I Well, I teach two regular classes, but they're not pelvic floor um, focused. But I'm always doing workshops. Um, I often have a series for people with pelvic pain, pelvic tightness. Um, I do a three-week series, so it's once a week. Um, and we do different poses and modifications, again, for people to learn when they're in a regular class, how they can modify for their own pelvic floor issues. Nice. That's so exciting. And there's not that many people that do what you do, though you do do trainings to train other yoga teachers. I do have a 20-hour training. I now have it online. It's pre-recorded, self-paced. Um, and yeah, people can go on and do a certification, which is an extra, an extra thing after the training. Um, so there are more and more people doing it, and there's a list of people on my website if people want to see if there's anyone in their area that has become certified. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's starting. It's like spreading, spreading the word slowly. Um, yeah. yeah, it's happening. Nice. All right, so let's get in the, into the infinite love questions. So how do you use love in your work? I think that, um, well, I think the major, the most basic tenet of yoga is love. I mean, I think love is what, what makes the universe the universe, like what perpetuates it on and on is love. I mean, some people call it consciousness, but you could also call it love. Um, so what I'm teaching is, um, Alignment, you could say alignment is uh, so important, but when your body, when your physical body is aligned, then your energetic body is aligned. And when your energetic body is aligned, you are going to experience less pain. When you have less pain, you may be more interested in higher things than um, my knee hurts <laughs> or my pelvic floor hurts, right? So I just feel like 
I'm in this lineage um, of yoga that um, it's all about, you know, to reduce the causes of suffering. And that is love. Nice. I love that. And how do you use your work to uplift humanity? Um, well, I often say heal the female pelvis, heal the world. Nice. Um, because every human being on this planet has come through a uterus yep. and, uh, and we do not pay it the respect that it deserves. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to change that through my work and through the messaging, um, to just have more respect for this area of the body, um, and to learn to love it. And unfortunately in our culture, there's a lot of vilification of body parts when they're not working the way you want them to. You know, there's a lot of self-talk of, oh, why do I have to have this issue? Or why do I have to have this bad hip or stuff like that? And to try to look at your body's issues, if you're having problems um, contextually, um, let, let that body part talk to you like your best friend would. And you wouldn't be like, oh, you stupid, person why are you doing that you wouldn't you wouldn't treat your friend that way yet we talk to ourselves that way so um so yeah to reframe our our self-talk is really important in loving ourselves yeah and it's interesting because like the mayan tradition they believe that the uterus is like the second brain of a woman so there's that deep connection of that it also has its own level of intuition and consciousness and being able to tap into that brings women's intuition deeper, being able to understand that your body and your uterus is communicating to you in various ways and listening to Right. And yeah, yeah, I'm sure some of your listeners have heard of that red tent idea where women yeah. were, you know, told to go, but you know, some people interpret that as ostracization. Um, but, it, but what I've read is it actually is a time when you're most intuitive is when right. you're menstruating most intuitive your your dreams will be the most vivid um so yeah i yes i agree with what you're saying oh my god i love the red tent idea that's like a day we can just <laughs> be too. all women quiet ha with the kids like enjoying our time we don't have to deal Me with too. anyone like i would have i would firmly have loved that if that was included in our society <laughs> like, you're bleeding go chill with other women yes totally drink some great. tea relax <laughs> okay so what does it mean for you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Oh, it means uh, I feel honored. Uh, you know, occasionally I feel burdened <laughs> by it because right now life is hard. Um, but I'm also in a position uh, in my life that I have immense gratitude for being able to do what I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel extremely fortunate for what I have. Uh, I try to have a gratitude practice. Um, it's It really is a game changer uh, to every day think about what you're grateful for. Right. You know, like all these people right now losing their homes in the fires. I'm just like, you know, and I have the audacity to complain about the air quality. You know, the ash that I'm breathing in is someone's home, you know, like I need to think about it more with, I have a home to be in. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose your home in a fire. So, so just thinking about, there's almost always something to be grateful 
for. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I feel um, grateful. And then from that gratitude, I can, um, from that, I have a well to help others um, and try to help people out of their suffering and their pain. Mm -hmm. Nice. What do you love most about your life? There's so much. Um, I think perhaps you're asking me in reference to my work. Um, oh, just in general. Um, well, I, I want to say in reference to my work because I, again, I feel so much gratitude that I can do something that I one love, that I too am helping people, and that I don't have a boss, that I'm like not going to an office, I don't have to sit in an office chair, um, you know, that kind of thing. I don't have to drive to work. Like right now, I, you know, I don't leave my home. I'm teaching from from uh, Zoom. I, before COVID, I was traveling the world, which I could get really annoyed being on airplanes. Um, but I just love that I have freedom in a particular way. It's not that I, uh, I am not wealthy by any standard, but I am, well, by some standards, I would be wealthy, but, um, <laughs> I'll just say that, but, um, what I mean is I have to work. I have to work to support myself, but that I'm able to support myself right. and that what I'm doing is good in the world. Like that is just not everybody ha has that situation. I just feel so, so lucky to be able to do that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. So how do you feel you receive love? Okay, so that is the <laughs> hardest question for me. Um, you know, when you're, when you're a healer, I think sometimes that's maybe the most challenging part um, yeah. of what, right, is that you're trying to help others and how do people help you. But, you know, my students right now in COVID, every, at the end of our classes, they say, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad you're here. Oh my God, it's helping me get through. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's the other way around. Like if I didn't have them, um, um, I don't know what I would do. I was like, God, what if I had no work? What would I be doing with myself? I don't even know. Um, so I have, I think I receive a lot of love. I have a file in my email um, box uh, that I, I, I keep it, anything that anyone's ever written me about being grateful for my work. Um, and I've gotten some like tearjerker emails, like, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with me until I came to my, your workshop, or I didn't think there was hope for what's wrong with me until I came to your workshop, or I, you know, because of your workshop, I did X, Y, and Z, and I'm actually able to have pain-free sex for the first time, wow. um, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just like, wow, let me just take so that's my little file that I keep for like, um, if I'm ever blue or depressed, I'm going to open that file and read those emails because that, yes. that makes me feel like, oh, I've made a positive difference in people's lives and that makes me feel loved. Nice. That is beautiful. And it's really, it's really important to have that positive reinforcement. Yeah. So when do you feel the most loved? When? Well, you know, uh, when we were doing in-person teaching, it was maybe at the end of a workshop. I felt a lot of love. I felt a lot of appreciation. Um, but I also, I want to say that when I'm by myself, 
in quiet times. Um, my breath is, you know, you can, you can frame your breath as love and receiving. Like a lot of people can't take a deep breath and inhaling is receiving. Uh, so a lot of times my practice by myself, if I'm trying to get quiet, I, I don't know if I want to call it meditation because it's not a, not a uh, formal meditation technique, but a lot of times what I do is I'm either lying down or sitting quietly, um, receiving, I feel like receiving my breath is so important. Um, uh, and then I, uh, there's this, there's an expression in yoga called so hum, which is translated as I am, and I am is consciousness, like I exist, I am. Uh, and then there's a breath practice where you breathe in so, and you exhale hum. And so uh, when I do that, and I have a really good practice of that, I just feel like I am the universe. I am part of the universe. And so for me, that is a really strong experience of love, feeling connected. Oh. That's beautiful. I love that. And my favorite question is how has love created a miracle in your life? Okay. How personal do you want to get? <laughs> <laughs> as personal as you want to get. <laughs> All right. So uh, when you first told me you were going to ask me that question, the first thing that jumped to my mind was um, when I had my worst pelvic pain, uh, I could not have sex with my husband. I was completely in intimacy avoidance. Uh, I didn't even want to cuddle or kiss him because I didn't want him to quote, get his hopes up. Um, you know, I didn't want him to feel like I was leading him on. I didn't want him to feel frustrated. So it was, it was a tough time in our marriage. And um, the first time I went to the pelvic floor PT, she taught me how to do some internal releases. Uh, myself and she said you know I told you know I told her what was going on with sex with my husband and, and she's or not going on and she said you know you could invite your husband into this healing process and you know he could do some of this stuff for you and that might that might help and I was like what no way could I ask like it just felt so intensely like personal but also it was like my problem and you know that kind of thing and um but then I decided to talk to him about it and um he was like does it mean we might be able to have sex <laughs> and I was like maybe he's like I'll do whatever you tell me to do okay so so you can laugh and say well yeah I was motivated by sex but then when we actually started doing that like he was helping me with it and it was hard in the beginning to allow that. Um, he was so loving. Uh, he was like, wow, your pelvic floor is so tight. It was like he couldn't, like he was feeling it in a way he'd never felt it before because I was teaching him what the PT had taught me. And, uh, and he was just so sweet and so loving. And um, my pain was so bad that I did not want to have an orgasm. Mm -hmm. uh, because that contracted my pelvic floor more. And so I was like, <laughs> you imagine like having sex and not wanting to have an orgasm. Um, so it was him that came up with the idea that um, he's like, well, why don't we get you close to an orgasm and then we'll stop and I'll massage your pelvic floor for you and then we can try again. And I was like, wow, like I, I never would have thought of that. That was his mm -hmm. idea. 
Um, and that is what helped heal me to be able to have pain-free sex is we had to do that a couple of times, um, you know, over, over time, but then over time, it was like my pelvic floor learned that I didn't have to be that like gripped and tight. And so that I could have an orgasm without having to stop, start up again, stop, start up again. Um, but it was, and so that was really loving of him and it brought us really close together. Um, wow. Yeah. The best. That <laughs> is an amazing. I'm going to cry when I tell that story. Sorry. No, it's okay. That's yeah, really so beautiful. That was, uh, that was, that was a kind of thing that was really, really difficult that I couldn't have done without him. Yeah. yeah. And that's a huge miracle that allow that vulnerability to just that yeah. trust and allowing him into your pain. Super, and Super vulnerable. Super vulnerable. So yeah, that was a big one. Well, that's amazing. I'm so happy that, so then it's gone. You haven't experienced that type of pain anymore. I don't have, well, menopause brings its own issues, which are slightly different. Um, I, what I would say, I get asked that a lot. So are you pain free now? I would say I'm mostly pain free. Mm -hmm. There are times when I am stressed or if I'm, if I've done some physical practice that tends to tighten, uh, that I can get re-aggravated, but um, I now know what to, I have the tools and I now know what it means to let go in that area. So often like pre-COVID, I'd go on a long plane ride and I would arrive and my pelvic floor would be tight from sitting, you know, like let's say I fly to Asia, uh, sitting for, you know, 13, 14 hours. Um, but I'd get to a hotel and I would just do my internal massage and my pelvic floor is like, oh, okay. I can relax. Whereas in the beginning with the pelvic floor issues, it took a long, long, long time, like oh, probably a year until my pelvic floor felt like it could let go on a more regular basis. Okay. You know? So it's and something I, you always have to work on. Like everyone yeah, needs it's to something kind of... I always, yeah, it's something I cannot just go, oh, that's fixed now. I'm done. Don't have to worry about that. Um, but that's okay because I think it's, it's like, the most important part of our body. Mm -hmm. It's the seat of ourself in so many ways. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's an, it's got important jobs that we need every day, you know, multiple times a day. Yeah. Urinating, defecation, sex, uh, digestion. Yeah. It's got an important job. So I'm kind of okay giving it some, some love on a regular basis. <laughs> well, it's kind of like flossing. I feel like, most of our body parts need constant right. care. Otherwise, the temple breaks down. It's like having a car. You always have to maintain it. You know, we have to gas in the car. You know, so I just really feel like the body is something that, you know, a lot of people have health goals and they want to achieve certain things. And I'm always like, well, it's more of a lifestyle. Like, you kind of have to work out every day, brush your teeth, you know, do your exercises, drink right. the water. It's like the self-care doesn't stop at any point it just may be less right and, and i right. and i and i you know i know that people don't want to hear that i know you're in the same boat as a yeah. healer you know people go i have to do what every day i have to add something to my schedule and it, you know i know that's a challenge for people because we want a quick fix and wouldn't that be nice but yeah. i'd have to say if there's one upside to covid because there aren't very many the slowing down has yeah. been good for everyone 
So we kind of, yeah. So there's a little more time because you're not commuting or, you know, I know that's not for everybody, but for a lot of people, they're not in the car so long. So there's a little extra time that you can spend on filling the well, taking care of yourself. Yeah, I definitely think that was a major part of um, one of the positivity. And also, I think the reevaluating of your life. I think a lot of people have this like, oh, my God this is my life, is this how I want to live, is this what's going on? I think a lot of people are waking up to like creating a different type of life for themselves, including having healthy habits, Yeah, which is an important one. Agreed. This has been so wonderful, Leslie. It's been so great to talk to you and to learn more about the pelvic floor and just pretty much incorporating this in my lifestyle. Like I know you've been really helpful for me for thinking about my pelvic floor in a different way. And is there, you mentioned your website, but just say it again for those that are it's listening. It's Leslie Howard Yoga uh, or Pelvic Floor Yoga, if that's easier to remember. Uh, my book is Pelvic Liberation, and I will be giving you a coupon code that I don't have right now to get $5 off and free shipping. Um, and I also, I know most of your listeners are probably not yoga teachers, but maybe. Um, or if you're a healthcare practitioner and you're interested in my 20-hour training, I will also give you a coupon code that as well um is it okay that i don't have it in my head with the no code? it's okay i'll put it in the show notes so people okay can okay great. get it in the show notes and be able okay. to contact you that way yeah and thank you for like birthing this idea of launching more love in the world because boy do we need it more than ever yeah, we, we always need it but now more than ever <laughs> absolutely Thank you so much for being on the show. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.